welcome to the Soar Community Network podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate, and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose, and let's soar together. everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. I am your host, Molly Pompadit, and today we have a special guest, Bob London, with us. Bob is the founder and CEO of Chief Listening Officers, and that organization helps companies develop marketing strategies that start with learning the customer's true perspective. Chief Listening Officers serves emerging to mid-sized B2B technology and professional services firms across the software, SaaS, data, financial services, and healthcare sectors. Bob pioneered the Outsource Chief Marketing Officer, otherwise known as CMO, concept in 2003 when he founded London Inc., a B2B marketing consultancy. He has worked with, advised, and mentored dozens of small and mid-sized companies on their marketing strategy and execution, serving as an interim or part-time CMO. Bob is a 20-year marketing veteran who has achieved rapid results with marketing budgets ranging from the 2 million network television launch of MCI's Friends and Families to startups that have to make the most of their precious funding. There is so much to say about Bob. He is a speaker. He has uh, mentored many different small businesses, for instance, 1776, an internationally renowned startup incubator here in Washington, D.C. He is the entrepreneur in residence at the University of Maryland's Digman Center for Entrepreneurship. That's where I went to school. Yay, yay, yay. And I'm so <laughs> delighted to have you with me today, Bob. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the way you read my bio. <laughs> I've never heard anybody read it that way before. It was no, I, but seriously, I, I'm a big fan of yours and your approach to life and work. And um, so I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. No, my pleasure. We love sharing stories here and we love sharing real stories of real people who have um, really uncovered their uniqueness that, and they want to share that with the world. So today I want to focus on you, Bob, and uh, you are so busy focusing on everybody else, a great <laughs> listener of folks um, sharing their perspectives and uncovering their needs. But today we want to highlight you and we want to be able to gift you to our audience who are tuning in from really around the world uh, and learning a little bit more about what it takes to be an entrepreneur, what it takes to grow, sustain, and really expand their business and their brand. I think you're the ideal person and we appreciate you. Let's just dive right in. Yeah. When great. you when you go around traveling, speaking, and you know, here in the DC area, when you're mentoring and listening to uh, people who are interested in building a business, let alone some of the larger organizations we work with. But let's focus on the small business owners for a second, small businesses. What are some of the things that are essential for them as they're building their brand and really focusing on getting their message to market? Uh, where, where, in terms of presentation of messaging, should they start? That's a really good question, and I do have that dialogue with a lot of people, not just uh, entrepreneurs, but, you know, I get people who are job seekers looking for an opportunity, you know, sometimes they're referred to me and I, I always 
ask them to, I, 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 well, I don't suggest a place to start right out of the gate. What I do is I'll ask them, what are you great? Where do you great at? Right. And that's a little bit of a intimidating question because people don't like to say what they're great at if they know what they're, even if they know what they're great at. But the reason the answer, it's important to have an answer or to learn the answer is uh, because it really gives you that's what you're great at, or sometimes known as the sweet spot is what you are, where you have your most confidence, your most satisfaction, your most engagement, whether it's certain types of clients, certain types of expertise that you, that you have or deliver, et cetera. Now, the, 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 di- the difference, though, between me and all the other people who talk about sweet spots, I think, um, is that w- what I tell them is it doesn't matter what you think you're great at unless you've asked other people around you what they think you're great at. So my whole platform really is about ask, getting other perspectives to find the truth. And uh, in most cases, that, that involves, you know, for an entrepreneur, for example, that involves um, before you roll out, some, in some cases, certainly before you roll out a product that, you've, that you're spending, you know, maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to, to, you know, to, to, you know, to take it to market, that you really have to understand what's going on in the customer's mind or the prospect's mind. So it, it, it has to do with identifying the problem they have that you might be able to solve or that you hope to solve. And I heard a great expression, and I, I forgot to look for the attribution, but um, it's a piece of advice that says for entrepreneurs, don't fall in love with your solution, fall in love with their problem and how you can solve it. So their solution is not going to change. Their, their problem is not going to change, but your solution can be adjusted and, and marketed in a way that meets their problem. So it, it really all comes down to understanding the customer that you are trying to reach and speaking to them on their terms. Um, that's something that people in marketing don't, don't always, uh, don't, don't do well, I'll say, mm-hmm. um, is that we, we may understand what the customer thinks sometimes, but then we have to somehow complicate things by developing this whole language or narrative around it. That's our perspective. And then by the time we're done with the website, for example, copy, the customer doesn't recognize it. They go, well, I thought they were selling this and they're trying to get me to think about this other thing here. So, um, let's, let's, the the advice is close the gap from the beginning between what the customer thinks and what you can do to help them. That's great. Well, I want to dive into this. Over six years ago, when I launched my business, it was called Mali Creative, and it was really around messaging from the heart. And this is important because, you know, over the six years, uh, you have to pay attention to what your consumers and customers really want, not what you're trying to sell. Uh, And this is really why it's important to have you um, on this interview today because we had to listen and sometimes it's very hard to make changes once you've gotten your business name and your logo done and you've invested all this money. And then it was about three years ago uh, after some really powerful constructive criticism criticism and feedback. I rebranded the company to the Store Community Network and built a different model based on what people were telling me, especially my clients. So when you decided to really focus on this concept of chief listening officer, how did that 
happen over time because I've known you for several years now. We met through the um, leadership breakfast forums and you have always been in this area of marketing CMO, but you came out in this past year and said, you know what? Chief listening officers is my focus. How did that transpire? How did that pivot and tweak take place? So uh, there's, there are a couple components to that. And one of them started coincidentally about six years ago. There must have been something in the water six years ago that you and I both drank and we decided <laughs> to revisit, revisit things. Um, so let me, let me give you my journey first and then I'll tell you what happened more recently. So six years ago, uh, I went on what uh, is sort of a listening tour. So it's what I just said to you before about the advice I give companies and, and individuals is I went around and I talked to people that had known me for a number of years, clients, former colleagues, uh, current clients, uh, mentors, uh, advisors, etc. People that I knew would be candid and who were thoughtful, not thoughtful as in, you know, uh, generous necessarily, but thoughtful as in they would think about it. They wouldn't just give me answers. And the listening tour involved this one big question. What do you think I'm, is there something I'm great at? If so, can you t talk to me about what you think it is? How do you see me and what my main strength is? And there were some things that I expected or hoped to hear. And I, I'll just lead by saying that I was a little, maybe a little put off by the fact that I didn't always hear those things. Mm. But what I did hear was very consistent and powerful about, yes, Bob, you're, you're, you have a number of talents, um, you, but the, the thing that you do that other people don't seem to be able to do, the thing that you do best is to help give an outside perspective that's really driven by the customer, right? So you keep bringing us back to what would the customer think in this situation and to help us understand that and have tremendous sort of, you know, this sort of force, this customer empathy on us, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then translate that into kind of a winning marketing approach that, that is successful because it relates back to what the customer thinks and needs. And that kind of blew me away. And so I started, um, it, I should say that in conjunction around that time, I was reading a book by Michael Port, who you probably, yes. you're probably aware of. Yes. And one of the things in the book, the book was called, I think it was called Book Yourself Solid. And one of the things that I that struck me from the book was, you know, take an inventory of your of the work you're doing and take notice of what what type of work and which clients engage you the most and then fire all the other ones. Now, <laughs> that's old advice and I was not in a position to fire any clients at that time. Um so I didn't. But I did take note of where I was getting the most engagement for myself and also where I got the most positive feedback. And that all happened to be around this area of helping my clients listen to their customers and then translate that into marketing strategies that they, that, that, that helped differentiate them, that helped them really hone in on what their value proposition was, et cetera. So I started doing that work about six years ago in earnest. And I really, it was just this year that I got around to changing the name uh, to chief listening officers, which hopefully the name kind of telegraphs what we're talking about here. I, mm -hmm. I could have called it a lot of things, but I decided to just kind of double down on the whole listening thing. And, um, and I think that's important because that's something people and companies don't do enough is 
stop and listen to the other people's perspective and without getting into anything aside from business, I'm not getting political, but I would argue that the ability to stop and, and consider what another person is saying that perhaps you disagree with is probably one of the most sorely lacking things, at least <laughs> I was going to say in our society, at least on Facebook. Um, <laughs> But in our society now, it's everyone is very polarized and there's not there aren't a lot of people willing to step into the middle and say, hey, let me really hear what you're trying to say. So all of it, I, I was very fortunate that what people told me I was you know, great at happened to align with something that I have fallen in love with as the most important early step in building a relevant company is, again, understanding what what well, what you said about your business. It's understanding the customer's perspective. Right. Well, you mentioned this uh, right from right from the start when we started this interview that most companies don't know their customers' real perspective. You know, underscore yeah. real uh, their needs and their priorities. How do you, when you work with clients, how do you suggest they start? Like, what what exercises, what tips to really listen? How how does one really listen, Bob? Yep. That's a good. That's 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 the uh, big question. Um, so, first of all, I I I think there's a temptation in uh, in the B two B market where I do most of my work, where everyone's trying to use technology to solve the problem of what are our customers thinking. What does that mean? It means that they're monitoring Twitter uh, with with software tools to pick up you know certain trends. Um, they're looking at search terms on, you know, on Google, which is fine. I mean, all this stuff is valid. They're looking at analyzing, um, you know, tens of thousands of customer service calls to look for keywords and find out what people are really focused on. I have a slightly simpler approach, pick up the phone, make an appointment to go talk to, or talk on the phone to one of your customers or prospects and just have a half hour human to human conversation with them. <laughs> so that's, the most it happens to be the most inexpensive, but it's also the most basic form of communication and listening that gets lost is just talking to people, you know, um, what kinds that's of where, what kinds of questions are you yeah. asking when you're having this one on one conversation? Well, that's that, that's where I was going to go next. And that is um, and I'd be happy to share a resource, at, you know, later on a, a link. Sure. Uh, where people great. can actually down, they can download the questions that, uh, or at least one of the, the core group of questions that, that has worked. So I think, um, you know, there, there's sort of a, a, a bit of a cliche that's emerged around questions that you ask customers. So like, what's your pain point? And I don't, I think that what, what's happened is over time, people have gotten a little bit numb to being asked the question of what's your pain point or what keeps you up at night. Um, so I tried to come up with questions and I've refined them over the last, you know, five or six years that seems to get people on the other end of the phone to think about what they're really answering instead of just saying, oh, here's our top three pain points. Like it's like they're reading it off mm -hmm. a slide or something. So one of the questions is actually, um, uh, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with selling them anything. None of this does. It has to do with understanding their perspective. So I ask them, um, if you stop someone in the hallway that works for you, what name, name one of the things they should be working on. If you ask them, what are you working on? What should they say? Now, what that does is it gets them to think about their team's priorities, the mission, and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes a very specific project that they're working on or a specific goal that the company or their department is trying to achieve. 
Um, I also ask them along the same lines, you know, if you if you get a call saying that they're, you know, for the next board meeting, you need to put together three bullet points on what you're doing. What are the three things on that slide, that bullet point slide? And what this does is, again, irrespective of what you're talking to them about, what your product is, you're getting a look into what their priorities are from their perspective. And um, and the reason that's helpful is because the more you learn about their perspective and the challenges they have, the more you can be relevant in the way you position your product or service or, or solution. So that's the kind of the first type of question is, what does the world look like from your perspective? Again, by asking, not pain points, but asking about their board of directors update slide, um, asking them what their employees uh, would or should say if they stopped them in the hallway and just said, hey, what are you working on? Um, and I can keep going. There are two other types of questions. Um, or we can, you can, we can drill down on those, the first ones, or we, I can keep going your choice. Yeah, no, Happy keep, to talk. I, I keep going because I think this is very helpful. It's very insightful for businesses and, and, and owners that are listening to this podcast. Um, so please, please share the, the other two that you were mentioning. Sure. So the, the next grouping of questions has to do with how this person that you're talking to sees the landscape of you know, problems and solutions from their perspective. So in other words, you're selling that you, your company sells widgets. Um, but there are lots of different ways to solve a problem other than your widget, you know? Mm -hmm. So you want to know their, the way they view the landscape. And so one of the things <laughs> that I've actually been asking, um, a lot is I'll say to them, Hey, let's say, um, let, let's just pick an example. Uh, let's say that, uh, one of your listeners is an IT outsourcing firm or, you know, managed IT services firm. They, they do outsource technology for small, medium sized businesses. So what I would ask them, uh, on the, uh, what I would have them ask their customers or prospects is, Hey, let's say you were, you were on the train to New York and the person next to you, you, you guys ended up striking up a conversation and you said, uh, you know, the usual DC question, what do you do? Well, no, what do you do? <laughs> and you found out that they were in IT outsourcing. What is the first thing that would come to your mind? What's the first thing that would come to your mind? Not what you would say, what would come to your mind? Now, the reason that's been helpful as a question is because there are um, every industry, I don't care what it is, has a reputation that precedes it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad reputation. But the reputation, for example, with IT outsourcing, the first thought that pops into the other person's head might be, you know what, I just really, I don't like the way technology companies make everything so complicated. They kind of build these black boxes and no one understands how it works. And then they charge us. And then when it breaks, they charge us, even though they built it. They, you know, we, we're paying them to fix it. So I don't, I don't, I'm making that up, right? right? Um so, so I think if you're out there talking about your company and your company is IT outsourcing, you need to know there's like a giant sort of elephant in the room before you even open your mouth that the other person says, oh, here's an IT company. They're trying to create a black box for me. I'm not going to buy it. Right. So you need to know the sort of elephant in the room uh, that exists when you're talking about your in just even before you talk about your company, just when they realize what industry you're in. So this question of being on the train, this hypothetical, what's the first thing that will come to your mind if someone's in the XYZ industry has been unbelievably um, revealing um, in, in my experience. Um, so, so then there's, there's a bucket of questions towards the end. There's three buckets. The last bucket has to do with getting their perspective on 
your company. So the entrepreneur that in, in your audience here and the listening of the podcast would go in and say, uh, that's what I said before. They'd say, you know, what do you, what do you think we're great at? Like, what's our sweet spot? Um, and an, another way to ask it is if we went out of business tomorrow, would that create a problem for you? And if so, what kind of problem? Because in other words, sometimes people don't realize the value of something until it's gone. So if you ask them to imagine doing business without your company, uh, <clears throat> and remember, you may not like the answer, <laughs> uh, they might just say, oh, we'd go out and get another one. What does that say? It says that they consider what you do to be a commodity. And it says that you need to find ways. These are all prescriptive, right? So once once you get the answers, there are things you can go to do to address all these things. But I always say, if, if even if it's bad news, it's better to know so you can address it. Mm-hmm. So um, this question of what 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 makes us great, you know, what are we better at than anyone else? That whole sequence of questions is very important because you want to and you want to know what your foundation is. You know, what's your go to? What can you always do well? And um, how do you uh, you know build off of that? And then um, in this last bucket is another question that is kind of the killer question. It's just the one that has produced the most insights over the years and talking about, I think I've done seven or 800, seven, let's call it 700 of these one-on-one conversations with my clients, customers. The question is, what would make you a customer for life? Hmm. What would make you a customer for life? And, and what's interesting about that is the reaction I get. Um, and I do most of my work over the phone. So I I can, I can kind of, instead of quickly giving me an answer, they haven't thought about that before. Right. So they, I can hear them kind of thinking and they go, that's a really good question. And that makes me feel good. And then they say, <laughs> here's the crazy part. They say, no one's ever asked me that before. Uh-huh. So I go, I'm thinking to myself, wow. So we'd all pretty much like to have customers for, for life, but we don't ask customers aren't being asked that question of what would that take? What would it look like? And, um, again, once people digest the question, they've given some unbelievable insights that my clients have been able to leverage to, um, position themselves much better based on, I mean, I I think that's probably the question that is the most important to ask because it is so revealing. What, what would make you a customer for life? You could say figuratively or literally. Um, and, uh, again, they may what may come out of it is that you're, you're kind of doing things at around a seven out of 10. And if you did a nine out of 10 or an eight out of 10, you'd be a cust- they would be a customer for life, but you have to know what those things are. What would make a difference? Wow. So that, that's a, that's an overview of the questions. And, uh, um, I, I, again, I can, um, tell people where the resource is, where they can, um, download, uh, uh, it's chief listening officers.com. And there's a link that says DIY for do it yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if they go there, then they can, um, they can download kind of a, it's kind of a customer listening playbook, uh, that goes through the process and the questions. So I'm happy to, I kind of open source that in the hopes that more people will listen to their customers. That's really powerful. And, and thank you so much for gifting us with that powerful question. Sure. I mean, there were a lot of great questions, but that one for sure, it made me really pause and say, that's a, an amazing gift you just gave me, you just gave our listeners, and uh, also the link, obviously, to the do-it-yourself, D-I-Y. 
DIY, um, yeah. chief listening officers forward slash DIY. So thank you for that. Now, this You're is welcome. really powerful because when you think about listening and actively listening, right, it's one thing to listen and then hope that they just stroke your ego. It's another thing to really be open to listening yeah. and receiving what will co- what authentically comes out of their mouths. And how do you go about receiving feedback? And let's say that it's not necessarily 100% positive yet. Let's say you get a 6 out of 10. You know, yeah. what's the best approach to that, Bob? Because you, you get all kinds of um, cl- customers, first of all. And secondly, we all live in the world of illusions, right? We all do. This is how the brain works. We perceive success but, but when we hear it and it's given back to us and it may not necessarily look the way we thought it ought to look, how do you deal with that? So uh, that's a very, very good question. So I think it has to do with the way you set up these, these conversations in the beginning. So you're setting an expect, uh, and I'll address the specifically the, you know, getting negative feedback. But when you set it up properly, what you're basically saying is, hey, um, we you just let's say you know I send an email to someone because I want I want to set up a conversation with them. I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm just doing some um, some kind of some strategic planning about you know how we're positioned in the market and um, you know what we can do differently or better in the future and uh, to make sure you know we're being re- as relevant as we can be. And, uh, do you, you know, do you have 20 or 30 minutes to get on the phone? I would just love your opinion on a few things. So, uh, what that does is it sets it up as this is not a customer service call where we're going to ask you, take you through a survey, uh, and make you answer questions about our performance. Uh, what it is, is, um, and a proactive and therefore very much appreciated by the way, by most of the people that I talk to effort, effort, excuse me, to do better, to be better at what we do. So when it's set up that way, um, I think it, it, the, the amount of goodwill that that communicates, um, results in people giving feedback very constructively. So first of all, I've never had anybody rant and rave on the phone about how terrible something is. They, but they will be very thoughtful about saying, you know, Uh, And I'm trying to think of an example that's happened recently. Um, You know, there's a feature that you guys promised us in this software. And this is, you know, would be one of my clients. You know, there's a feature that was promised in the software. It was on a slide that you guys presented in in a product roadmap. And we haven't heard back since. And it's annoying because that's one of the reasons we bought the software. Um, So and, and we're, you know, we're waiting for it because it's costing us money not to have it. So. I think there's two things. So, so for me, I'm independent. I'm asking the question on behalf of my client, so I'm not emotional about it. So I, 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 there's any number of ways I can address that by saying, well, you know, um, I'm aware, um, you know, I'm aware of the roadmap, and I know there there have been some things that that um, there's been some shuffling around, um, and I will have someone get back to you on that point specifically to let you know the latest status. And you know, I, I, we definitely want to know about that sort of thing. If you're the entrepreneur asking the question and they're saying it to you about the software you wrote <laughs> and you rolled out, then I think um, you sort of go back to the point of, you know, you're, you say, look, we're, not, we're nothing without that kind of feedback. So it's very easy for us in the heat of you know, product development to lose sight of certain things. This is exactly why we're having these calls. 
Um, the fact that you mentioned this particular feature is a great reminder. And you can even say, like I've heard it from other people that they're dissatisfied, that we will revisit the product roadmap and get back to you, you know, within a week or two, whatever it is, a week or two, uh, to show you when that feature will be ready. And so it's, you know, I, I think, I think the thing is that everything revolves around transparency. Yes. Um, I, I think that the more you try and spin or create sound bites around, uh, like with, like if I ended, if I said everything I just said without saying, we'll get back to you in two weeks, it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. So you can admit that you took your eye off the ball or promised something. Now this is the difference between business and politics. You know, in politics, somehow it's, it's impossible. It's not allowed to make, you're not allowed to make mistakes or change your mind. That's fine. So in business you have, especially as an, a young company where you're just figuring out priorities and things like that, it's perfectly acceptable as long as you have good intentions of saying, you know what, our bad, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't, at a minimum, we should have gotten back to you to let you know that we reshuffled the product features. Um, but now that you've brought it up, we will take it under advisement. And again, I, I would just say that a lot of the people I interview end the call. I'll say, like, is there anything else I didn't ask about that I should have asked about? They'll, a lot of them have said, you know what, just thank you. Thank you for actually scheduling an appointment just to listen. And it really reflects well on, you know, whatever company I'm asking on behalf of. So with that much goodwill, they're, they're not, um, likely to, you know, you know, like just put a, put up a flamethrower and just really use the opportunity to just really hack away at, at your company. That's not what the call ends up being about. It's just not, um, or at least out of the 700 I've been on, I think there was one. And it turned out that the person had, ha I mean, it was just a bad personal story in that situation where they were having a problem that day. And, you know, they could have easily rescheduled the call and they went ahead with it and it just didn't go well. So, um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, no, this is powerful stuff. I mean, for me personally, I appreciate this very much because I'm taking notes as fast as I can about things that we can also do better here. Uh, so this is wonderful for, for me personally and for the SOAR Community Network. So thank you for that, Bob. Now, Good. I want to um, share more of you, and I know that you're uh, you have this popular drive time marketing video blog as well as the Bob Servations blog series. Can you talk about that? Because I think when people are listening to you and they want more insights uh, and just more a fun way, you know, sometimes with marketing, I think I think we focus so much on what what it means to market that you forget to have fun. You forget to bring your personality to the table that you can still ex uh, share amazing content in your unique way, being creative, expressing it in your unique way. So I'd love to have you talk to that a little bit. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think that it was a, an important turning point for me. I want to say it was eight or 10 years ago where I realized that, uh, can I had always done creative writing, not, not as a discipline or even an, and it's just, it was just an aptitude. It was something I liked to do, but I wasn't rigorous. I didn't have a, a plan or I didn't, I wasn't regular. And, um, at, uh, at one point I had this email newsletter that I would send out, you know, every, every couple months about, you know, marketing stuff. Right. And, um, it occurred to me once that, you know, all marketing people are sending out marketing stuff. What if I sent, sent out one of these, I called them Bob observations. It's sort of a, like a observational humor about something that happens in business that people 
you know, they maybe they don't talk about or that they don't talk about the humorous side. So I thought, what if I sent out instead of sending out the regular marketing stuff, which was decent content, what if, what would happen if I sent out a observation instead? <laughs> and because I'm already writing them, I might as well use them. And the response to that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, the click through rates were higher and the, I got a lot of comments and feedback. But more importantly, to this day, even though I really have stopped sending out the observation emails years ago, mm-hmm. um, people still say, oh, where, when are you going to send out your next observation? I mean, so it was a brand that kind of stuck in people's head. And, um, and I think it, it gave them a chuckle, which, <laughs> you know, it's sort of a diversion in the middle of their business day or whatever. So I think that was an important lesson that what you, of what you said, which is, personality is an asset. And, um, I think at, until that point I was probably too reticent to share my personality online. Um, and you know, people who knew me knew that I had, you know, some personality, but to actually go out there and put yourself out there with something that is trying to get a reaction from people turned out to be a great thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I can't tell you that I got business from it, but again, what, for someone who does writing as kind of a sometimes hobby, creative writing and humor, there, it was just amazing to get the feedback, you know, that people thought it was funny or LOL or whatever they said at the time. <laughs> and um, now the drive time marketing was um, another sort of accidental um, um, initiative where I was I had a client in Gainesville, Virginia. So I was spending a lot of time in the car and I thought, you know what, I'm going to use the time to drive out there. and I'm going to take notes you know, audio notes, uh, with my iPhone. And it turned out it was just easier to, to start videotaping than audio taping just because of the way the app works. So I had this suction cup thing on the dashboard. So I had the video camera and I was just going to record my thoughts. And what happened was I saw myself in the, the iPhone picture, you know, the reverse camera. And I started to, I, I started talking about some marketing stuff and some things. And I realized that my flow in the car was pretty good. In other words, that's a place where I think and speak in a in a pretty relaxed way that, you know, was pretty cogent. And so, you know, from there, I, I thought, what if I actually did a video blog while I'm in my car? And that's another thing that, so I, I did commit to it and for probably three, three or four years. And um, it's something else that really put me on the map with people. And again, uh, people still comment on it. It got me in front of people that I would not normally have met. And that, that in turn turned into new business. I mean, several hundred thousand dollars worth of fees for, for something that cost me nothing. That's great. Um, just because people talked about it and it was different and it got people's attention and the substance of the video blog was good too. Um, people definitely commented on that as well, but I think it was just the, you know, the form factor of seeing someone, um, talking kind of to themselves in the car (laughs) on a video. Um, and I I have to always say that it was very safe. It was just like using a speakerphone really, because I didn't activate or push any buttons while I was driving. That would have been dangerous. So, um, that's, that's what I did. And I think to your point though, the lessons are, you know, take a risk, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and, um, use a, use part of your personality. I mean, I think when I coach people to do investor presentations, you know, we're going back and forth and they're really coachable and all that. And then as soon as they walk on the stage, somehow they forget that they have a personality and they start kind of droning on and reading. And that's unfortunate. 
um, because I think they could really help speed up the process of, of getting their message across and getting investors if they showed that they were, you know, sort of, um, you know, how engaging they were. Yeah. So it's a good lesson for people. It's, so, it, it's, it's interesting to say this, that it takes practice to be yourself on stage. That's right. You know? That's exactly it, it, right. It's incredible because, and even when we hear ourselves, like when I'm recording this podcast and I go back and I don't edit my own podcast, but when I listen to it, it's like, that's me. And I, I hear my isms and, you know, and at the same <laughs> time, when I first started, it was so hard because it's very mechanical. It's like, okay, I'm super aware of my isms and things that I don't like. And then you really exaggerate them even more because you're thinking about it too much so i think it happens when that happens with stage too you know you could practice in the mirror you can you can think that oh okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have humor and then you go and you look at the audience and i all eyes on you and all of a sudden it's like okay i gotta feel safe again you gotta go back to feeling safe so i think it's just a matter of practice 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 i think you're right I think you're absolutely right. There's a sports, I don't know if it's just sports, but there's a terminology called muscle memory. Oh yeah. Where, yeah, the, that, um, you know, if, when you practice something enough, um, you get used to doing it so much that it feels like a natural, um, event and, and you, you don't seem forced and rehearsed. You seems like it's flowing. So, mm-hmm. so where's your writing taking you now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really, um, so, so now that I've, um, changed my company and my focus to chief listening officers, I'm in a, the position of really for the first time in, in, I don't know, more than 10 years, I I'm marketing myself. So I have to reeducate people, uh, on what I do. So I'm still a marketing consultant. Um, it's just that my approach is very listening based, listening to the customer base. So I'm, I'm writing a lot at, uh, on, on, uh, chief listening officers.com. There's a blog there. It's called the elevator rant blog because the elevator rant is the thing that we uncover when we ask good questions, we find out what people were talking about and bitching and moaning about on the elevator when we're not around <laughs> as vendors. And so that blog is where I'm putting uh, a lot of content now. Um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of open sourcing. What are the questions I ask? Uh, what's the process I write about different companies that have, uh, whether I've worked with them or not that have uncovered their customers elevator rant. Um, and I wrote one today about a company at a trade show that I saw that, um, they're, uh, it's not worth probably describing exactly what their product was, but it was a B2B company and they, their product was developed with, by one sort of in conjunction with one of their customers who's an expert in the area. And so, when I saw them at, I was wondering how is this company able to get such traffic to their trade show booth and people are staying for 20 minutes and then, you know, they, they kind of do the demo every 20 minutes. And I ended up talking to the marketing director and he said that the guy doing the pitch was the expert who like the guy doing the product demo was the customer expert who would help them develop the product. So it was a great alignment of, you know, he was talking about it in terms of, uh, the, the guy doing the demo was talking about in terms of all the pain points or elevator rants that, that customers have. And the customers w- heard that and they were coming in and saying, that is exactly the pain point I have. What's he talking about? Mm-hmm. So it was a great way to lead with the customer's elevator rant and then get them into a, an, an engaged setting where they could then talk about the solution they had. So that's the kind of stuff I write about at chieflisteningofficers.com. That's great. 
Well, Bob, I really want to appreciate you for all that you do. You give so much of your time um, to develop others, and it's, it's wonderful to see. You know, I think when we're out there trying to build our own businesses, no matter the size of the business, we're all busy and we have to focus and we have um, all of our goals and our milestones and timelines we have to reach. But when you actually take time to also give of yourself to develop other people, uh, it takes effort and it's commendable. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I have something to say that hopefully you'll appreciate. I wasn't always like that. Um, I, I knew that part of networking was helping other people. But I think it's, um, I'm going to embarrass you a little. When I, I think I've been meeting more and more people over the last two to three years that have really embodied the approach you just mentioned that I take. And so I, what I would say is that I've run across and surrounded myself with more people. Like I think there's literally a short list of four or five people, and you're one of them, who mm-hmm. I'd say that person really is someone to emulate in terms of the way they um, – help other people without expecting anything return and, um, and, and, you know, generously give of their expertise and, and are very, uh, transparent and vulnerable about the challenges that they have and things they're trying to accomplish. And you really are one of those people, Malia. I mean, it's, um, it's fantastic. And so anything I've learned, it's been from people like you. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, You're welcome. You know, as, as I've grown and matured as a person, but also as the leader and really stepping into the role of CEO now that we have a team, it is a humbling experience. You know, I, I think that the more vulnerable I am, the more human I become to those that really rely on me to take the lead. And taking the leadership to me is totally different today than it was many years ago when I pretended to be strong and pretended to be unbreakable because I was so scared. You know, it's kind of like that overcompensation of how you have to be because that's what you want the world to perceive. But then you suffer alone and you make so many mistakes and and then you try and cover it up because you want to live this facade and it's so exhausting. And then you don't ever grow your business because you're too busy trying to hide stuff and fix it. <laughs> it's just crazy. So that's, that's a pretty good description of me when I was, you know, before I had my own business, I was an, an employee and an executive for like uh, almost 20 years. That's a pretty good description of how I was then. I was never thought that it was okay to ask for help, admit that anything was wrong. And, and when you, when you try to push that stuff under the rug, it does come back to bite you. And, uh, so I appreciate, you know, I, again, I appreciate your leadership in that area. It really, it sends a very important message to people that they, you know, they can, they can live a revealing open life, I guess is how I would say it. And it's a, it's a night, you really are, you, you carry, people carry around a lot of stuff. And if they can just put it down, at least for a while, they, they would be amazed at how they feel. Yeah. Well, finding our bliss and manifesting our bliss is really about letting go. Um, yeah, you know, and sure. so it's we're all learning to do that. Um, nowhere close to perfect here, uh, but certainly truly evolved in how I want to show up in the world. And you'll never be able to hide those shadows, those dark things that happened in your past. You might as well just be be transparent about it, and then it just kind of fades away. You know, the heaviness yeah. fades away. So um, let's soar together, Bob. You know, I really appreciate you being a part of our community. Uh, really, I, I, I really um, do stalk you on social media now because <laughs> I love how much um, 
you are showing up these days and and I've seen that I've seen the change I've seen the the growth in you and how much more you share on social media with about your family and about the love that you have for for life and where you want to take your own life so it does take courage and I encourage our listeners you know if you really want to have a successful life not just a successful business it does start with really uh, delayering delaying yeah. the, the facades and really embracing who you really are and the right people will accept that's a great you. Way to put truly, it. That's truly a great, accept that's you. That's a great way to put it, delayering. I love that. Yeah. You know, I actually forgot we were on a podcast for a minute. Oh, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> like right. Just, that's just the way a it cool should be. cool conversation with Malie. It was very nice. That's the way it should be. Well, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. I know we can keep going, and we'll have you back on, and we'll talk oh, more about being vulnerable and listening and, you know, so that it's not so much business-related. Because the thing, the thing we have to remember for everyone who is listening to us today, the thing we have to remember is it's all personal. You know, how you show up in the world, where you, what you carry into the work world and into the, uh, the business world um, is also, it should be a reflection of how you live. And that's really where you get the connection and people really trust. When you're talking about listening, Bob, wouldn't you agree? I mean, the more human you are, the more they're willing to share because the number one people seek is safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I, I think that's very well, very well said, Malay. Great. Well, we'll Perfect. have you back, definitely. And I can't oh, wait to, to announce all the, the new things that you'll be launching this year. I have a really strong feeling about that. So we'll keep people <laughs> in suspense. But for now, can you please let people know how to find you and learn more about you? So it's uh, www.chieflisteningofficers.com is my uh, web presence. From there, you can see the blog. You can see the, the, the free download of the questions under the DIY tab. Um, and my email address is there. So you, anyone can reach me. I really do. Um, I love hearing about other people's businesses and challenges. Um, wh- whether we end up working together or not, it really is more about, uh, it, it helps build, uh, you know, I, I'm a knowledge seeker. I'm curious. So hearing about people's business challenges and how they're thinking of solve them, solving them is, is, uh, kind of, that's my currency in a way. And any, any advice I can give them is just, you know, kind of icing on the cake. Um, so yeah, that's uh, any. I welcome anybody to get in touch anytime. That's great. Well, I love your your website too, by the way. Oh, thanks. So, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, thanks again, Bob. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Soar Community Network podcast. You know how much we appreciate you. We love you, and please keep tuning in. And we will talk to you real soon. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.